at Heartland. I think you ought to bring those ladies with you. <laughs> that was great. Praise the Lord. Ladies, you just put that on the schedule. You're go- coming with your preacher next time. Uh, it's great to be back here. Uh, the accommodations, the improvements to the whole plant here, the, the facilities, just tremendous. I've been able to go back in my mind to 2002 and to see the improvements. And that's a lot of hard work, and it's recognizable. The place is clean. Uh, just I just take my hat off to everybody here that participated in all the hard work here and, and the upgrades and things like that. It looks beautiful. It really, really does. And uh, it is so good to be here. Um, now, I've got a little bit of an allergy thing going on. I was sick the middle of last week, and so um, I'm going to try to keep from letting that show, but um, it might show. And uh, I've got one contact in, and it's messing around with me with my allergies, and so I'm, and I don't have anything in this eye, just one contact here, and I'm seeing one and a half of some of you. And that's really a scary thing, so pray that this fixes itself, and, uh, but we'll work our way through it. And uh, how many of you want me to preach really good this morning? Say amen. 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 Want me to preach really fast because I'm on central time. And so if you see me looking at my watch, that means you're in big trouble because my watch says we're an hour behind. And that means I'll preach longer. You don't want that. So if you see me doing this, someone point to the clock back there, all right? But I really do want to get us going through and, and your amens are being encouraged because I want, to, I want to start over here together and I want to work us through this whole process and land over here together. And so I want everybody to come together with me so that I don't have to keep on going back and restarting. So letting me know that you're with me every time we move is really appreciated. Amen? Amen. And if you want me to preach really good, say a lot of amens. If you want me to preach faster, don't say a lot of amens and try to trick me on that, okay? We'll just work our way through it. With all that in mind, turn to John chapter 18. I'm really excited about getting a chance to preach this message here this morning. Very, very excited. John chapter 18. If we will go ahead and just stand for a reading of a few verses. If you can stand, if you can't stand, that's fine. We'll understand. And the Lord knows. I'll be asking a little bit later in the message for five of the best looking, most macho males that are adults, 18 years and up, to come up and help me. Now, some of you wives ought to be just pushing your husbands up here. Look at the, pushing them up here right now. But we'll say members only, adult males. Um, you don't have to have any type of special talent. Just got to be macho, good looking, smart, intelligent. And then if we can't find anybody here under those qualifications, we'll open it up wider, okay? But that's what we'll shoot for at first. John chapter 18. I'll ask for you guys to help me a little bit later. When I do ask for the sake of time, just respond quickly and volunteer or I'll start picking people out of the congregation. Some of you don't think I would do that, but I really would. So volunteer really quickly. If I have shook your hand this morning, you're a candidate to volunteer. If you've ever attended Heartland Baptist Bible College, you're a candidate. If you ever graduate from Heartland Baptist Bible College, you better be up here volunteering. That's all I have to say. John chapter 18. When Jesus had spoken these words, that's referring to the time that Jesus has just had with his disciples. It's what you and I would refer to as the Last Supper. So Jesus has just had that special time with his disciples. And that's what we're referring to here when we read, when Jesus had spoken these words. 
He went forth with his disciples over the brook Kidron, where was a garden. You and I know this as, from other parallel passages, the Garden of Gethsemane. He went into the which he entered and his disciples. Verse 2. And Judas also, which betrayed him, knew the place. I'm going to insert this word. Why? Why did Judas know this place, the garden? Here it is. For Jesus oft times resorted thither with his disciples. That meaning that Jesus went there often with his disciples. And Judas, at this time, would have been numbered amongst the disciples. Verse 3. Judas then, having received a band. If you can in your mind think of this, a band represents at least 500 or more soldiers. That's quite a crowd. So Judas then, having received a band, that means at least how many? 500. Let these things start to paint a picture in your head. And officers from the chief priests and Pharisees cometh thither with lanterns and torches and weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him. Aren't you glad that Jesus knows all things? Amen. Before they ever happen, that should come upon him. Went forth and said unto them, Whom seek ye? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus saith unto them, I am. And Judas also, which betrayed him, stood with them. As soon then as he had said unto them, I am, they went backward and fell to the ground. Then asked he them again, Whom seek ye? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I have told you that I am. If therefore ye seek me, let these go their way, that the saying might be fulfilled, which he spake of them which thou gavest me, have I lost none. Then, after all that, Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and smote the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, bless this time. Bless the reading of your word. Bless the preaching of your word. Lord, it would be of my habit at times just to ask you to help me. Lord, I would choose this morning not to ask you to help me but for you to remove me and for you to do it all. Lord, may you do this morning in the lives of your people in your house only what you can do in the lives of these dear folks. And I ask that in the name of Jesus Christ, the name that truly does get sweeter every day. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. I want to set this up just a little bit, a little bit of background. Jesus has just had what you and I know is the, the Last Supper with the disciples. He comes down out of the city, but there's something very significant here as he comes down out of the city and goes into the Kidron Valley. He goes down through this valley, and as he's walking along through the bottom of the valley, the Kidron Valley, he comes across the Kidron Brook. This Kidron Brook is significant because... During the time of the Passover, there was a, a common practice in the sense of in this city, they would perform over 250,000 animal sacrifices in one city in one week. 
I don't mean to be gruesome, but 250,000 animal sacrifices meant a lot of what? Blood. A lot of blood. And they would have multiple altars. They would have a table maybe here where the sidewalk would meet or a crossroad would meet. They'd have, a, they'd have an altar there. And then these would be connected to other altars throughout the whole city. Various altars, multiple altars all over the place. And every time an animal sacrifice, every time the blood would be taken for the sacrifice, they would wash the altar down each and every time. These altars were connected by what you and I might call like a gutter system or a trough system, a ditch of some type, so that when it was washed off, all that bloody water would flow down and connect to the next trough or the next little gully or the next little uh, gutter system, if you would, down throughout the city, altar to altar. And it would all empty into the local water treatment plant. No, there was not a local water treatment plant back then. But it did empty into the local water system, the local waterway, the local brook. It emptied into the Kidron Brook. That's why the locals called the Kidron Brook during this week of animal sacrifices, they nicknamed it the Bloody Brook because it flowed with the bloody water of all those animal sacrifices after each altar was cleaned. Scripture tells us right there in the beginning of our passage that Jesus as he walks down through the valley, the Kidron Valley, up to go to the Garden of Gethsemane, and he knows all things that should come upon him. Amen? Are you with me? He knows all that. Jesus, God-man, walks up to the brook, the bloody brook, and I'm, I'm imagining, give me some liberty here, I'm imagining he notices that's bloody water. And I would think, with, with very good logic, that he thought, my blood is soon to be required of me. Now, I know what I would have done then. I would have turned around and walked away. <laughs> if I knew that few more steps, my blood is going to be required. But Jesus walks right over the bloody brook, illustrating in my mind that Jesus, as he walked over that, he was committing, my blood will take place of all of that blood. Aren't you glad that you don't have to perform animal sacrifices for forgiveness of your sins? Amen. Amen. I'm very glad. Some of us would have to do a lot of animal sacrificing. <laughs> We'd have to have a pretty big herd. <laughs> but Jesus' blood, once and for all, think of this, believer, once and for all, when the shed blood of Jesus Christ is applied to your account, you do not need any more blood sacrificing when you apply it to your account. Jesus then walks up through the valley with his disciples, up into the Garden of Gethsemane, which is placed up in a higher spot in the Kidron Valley. We know that in the time of prayer, Jesus hits this place where he starts to sweat drops of blood. We know that from other passages in the scripture. We also know that the disciples, he tells them to pray, and they end up what? Falling asleep. Jesus now, he's awake. He's had this stressful time of prayer. And we see there in scripture that he went forth. That means that he stepped out as Judas and the at least, what, 500 men come walking up this valley. Jesus is in the high spot. He has a, has a prominent place to see them before he, they see him. And he steps out. The scripture says, he went forth. And he says, whom seek ye? It might be this. Who are you looking for? How many of you believe Jesus already knew that they're looking for him? Amen. But he wanted to engage them in a dialogue. He wanted to get them involved in a conversation. He wanted 
to have control of the situation. In my mind, he demonstrates that by stepping out there. And he gets them into a conversation. Who are you looking for? They said, Jesus of Nazareth. He just uses one of his Old Testament names and says, I am. It's kind of wild to think about it, but this is where I want to illustrate this. I need the five guys. Let's see. Peter, David, you can help me. Jason, you can help me. Uh, let's see. Th- two more. Uh, right back here, red tie. Uh, yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then you right in front. Come on up. What's your name? Can you do it? Yeah. Just tapped on your shoulder. Down here on the front row. No, it'd be, you know, it'd be okay up here. Yeah, that'd be great. Spread out a little bit, guys. Uh, Okay, come on, real quick. Any of you have a bad back? None of you? Perfect. <laughs> Good. Everybody insured? Oh, don't worry about that. <laughs> Nothing will happen. <laughs> okay, everybody up on the platform? Okay, you guys put your arms out like this. Spread out, don't touch each other. Okay, now do this. No, don't do that. That's silly. Don't do that. I'm just kidding. Put your arms down. All right, good. Everybody understanding me all right? When I say I am, I want you just to fall down. Now, don't hurt yourself, okay? Don't fall backwards. Just fall down. Now, don't mess up my illustration. When I say I am, you just fall down, okay? Now, I'm going to be repetitive on purpose. Repetition is a great teacher. Jesus has just had the Last Supper with the disciples. It's a very precious time with Him. He has the moments where He's saying some of the dearest things to them. He knows that He will soon be taken away. And Jesus now has his time of prayer. They fall asleep. Jesus awakens and he sees 500 soldiers coming up the hillside with weapons, torches, and lanterns. Why? Because these 500 soldiers, each of them representing 100 soldiers, each of them thought that Jesus, the guy that Judas told them was up there, was going to fight back. That's why soldiers bring weapons. Amen? Soldiers bring torches because they think the guy that they're going to go catch is going to go run and hide in the forest or in the bush or in the fields. So they're going to torch him out. They'll light everything on fire just to torch him out. They think he's going to run into the nighttime. That's why they bring lanterns. So they've got their weapons and torches and lanterns. And these guys are coming up the hillside for Jesus. Jesus steps out and he says, whom seek ye? They said, Jesus of Nazareth. And as soon as he says, as soon as they say, Jesus of Nazareth, he just says this, I am. I am. All right, we need a little drama class around here, but that works. No, that works. Stay down there. Stay down there. So that's just kind of how it happened. It's kind of funny. You want to you do it again? No, we won't do it again. But they just fell down. They're, Peter, don't hide. David, come up and let us see you lying down on the ground pitifully. You've just been knocked over. My point is this. That's just how it happened. Scripture said it. You read it. When he said, I am, they went, Scripture says it, they went backwards. It doesn't say that Jesus spread some pixie dust on them. It doesn't say that he blows on them. It doesn't say that he waves a hanky. He just calls out one of his Old Testament names. This illustrates to me that there, there's power in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen? There was back then. He just knocked over 500 soldiers. Not only was there power back then, there still is power when someone calls upon the name of Jesus Christ. Amen? He just knocks them over. 
I'm imagining this. I, I, I don't know, but I can imagine these guys are now starting to get up. So go ahead and get up, guys. They're brushing the dirt off their backside. And I'm imagining they're saying this. What was that? I'm imagining these soldiers saying, Captain, what knocked us over? I'm imagining, I don't know, but something to do with that guy up there. That guy that said I am. That's the guy that I think we're looking for. And whatever he just did, he just knocked us all over. I'm imagining that their pride is hurting them right now. I'm imagining they're a little confused right now. All 500 soldiers have been knocked over by one man that just called out the name, a name of Jesus Christ. And then Jesus says this to them. He asks them this again. Whom seek ye? He asks them a second time. I'm imagining this, the soldiers saying, don't answer him. Nobody. Everybody be quiet. Whatever you do, don't get in a dialogue with that guy. <laughs> Jesus just knocked over 500 soldiers by speaking just his Old Testament name. One of them. Have I demonstrated this? Jesus Christ is in control of this situation completely. Amen? Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Go ahead and be seated. Peter, can you stay down the front for me? You guys can go in the back. Do you have your Bible with you? Once you get it, and bring it with you on the front. Just, I'll need you for one more illustration, please. Maybe two, maybe three. Hang tight, Peter. Sorry. <laughs> I love your future husband too much to, not to use him in my ministry. <laughs> That's just what happened. What you saw illustrated is what Peter saw in real life. But in later in our passage, we see this. That Peter didn't really get it. <laughs> I've got written down in here, beside my Bible, in the margin, Peter the knucklehead. <laughs> For a moment, Peter saw in real life what you just saw illustrated. He decides, and this is kind of interesting... He decides that he's going to take on an enemy all by himself. He separates one guy out from the band of 500. His name was Malchus. Peter, you're going to help me here. Peter and I are going to illustrate Peter cutting off Malchus's ear. Since I'm the guest preacher and this is my illustration, I'm going to be Peter. You be Malchus. <laughs> all right. Now, listen, I haven't blown my nose this morning. I don't think so. I always forget when I fold it up like this whether I use it or not. I think this is clean. You might need that because I'm going to be cutting off your ear with this. All right? So, okay, we'll need a little bit of room. Anita, I'd back up a little bit. Blood could be all over the place. Over here a little bit more, Peter. Stay with me. Loosen up. Loosen up. There you go. Peter just saw in real life what I tried to illustrate. Peter decides to take care of this one himself. Now, you know, my algae medication will kick in a little bit, and I'll start to slow down. We're going to go slow motion the first couple of times. I'm going to cut off your right ear. Obviously, Peter wasn't going for Malchus's right ear. No way. You don't, you don't pull out a sword against a soldier that has 500 soldiers with him and just cut his ear off. That's, that's like biting a guy's ear off in a boxing ring. That's crazy. You wouldn't do that. That would only get him angry, right? Are you with me? He was going for his head. Malchus must have leaned over that way and he cut off his right ear. That's, that's the only way it could happen. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to swing for your head. You lean over that way. And when I cut your right ear off, put the hanky to your ear to cover all the blood and give us a good manly scream, okay? All right? No little girly screams, all right? I want manly illustrations here. 
Jesus just knocks over 500 soldiers. God asks Peter, the Lord asks them, whom seek ye, they, they get into that. Now Peter sees all that real life and it, and it pulls out his sword, comes out, we'll go slow motion, comes out Malchus, swings, cuts his... Very good, Peter. Excellent. All right, stand back up. It's, it's, you're all right. This is just play. All right. Let's do it again. We're going a little bit faster. Okay? Real life? All right. All right. All right. I love Peter. Peter pulls out his sword. I love that, Peter. Pulls out his sword, comes at Malchus. Very good. Very good. Get back up, Malchus. All right. There it is illustrated. Here's the, here's the spiritual application. Peter sees exactly what we've tried to illustrate. He's there in person. This isn't the first time Peter has seen Jesus perform some miracles before. When he knocked over those 500 guys, that was a supernatural miracle. Peter has seen Jesus do this type of stuff for a couple of years now. He's walked with the Lord. He's been close to the Lord. He's probably seen God do some awesome things in his own life. Would you agree with me? To, To walk with Jesus for three years and to be numbered amongst the disciples and not to be able to to witness yourself the supernatural power of God, it'd be impossible. He must have seen Jesus do some unbelievable things in his time. That's the relationship he has with Jesus. But it seems, it appears, in this scene, it's as if he pushes Jesus to the side and says, Jesus, I know that you just knocked over 500 guys. I watched that. I was there. But I want this enemy all on my own. I'm going to enter this little fight all on my own. Jesus, just kind of step out of my way. And he goes at Malchus and he swings at him and he cuts off his right ear. He doesn't take out the enemy. He doesn't finish the enemy. He angers the enemy. He infuriates the fight. That's Peter. I don't want to be too hard on Peter because he really has a wonderful finish. He has a wonderful turning point in a few moments in his life. So let's talk about me. It's not Peter that pushes Jesus to the side. It's oftentimes Jeff copes where I push Jesus to the side. Straighten up. And I see the enemy over here. And I say, Jesus, I know that you've performed some miracles before. As a matter of fact, Jesus, I've been walking with you now 29 years. And I've seen you do some wonderful things in my life. But Jesus, just sit down on this one. I'll take care of this one. And so I attack a full, grown, strong, young man with a pocket knife. If I attacked Peter Montoro with a silly plastic pocket knife, he would laugh. He would break it in my hand. I wouldn't hurt him one bit with this. Facing the enemy with a pocket knife for a Christian 
for me to be pushing Jesus to the side, the one who has control of the situation, to push him to the side and say, I want this battle on my own. That's about as silly as me attacking a full-grown, adult, strong male with a plastic knife. But you know what? I do it way too often. I start to hack and whack my way through life, through family problems, through health problems, through battles, through situation after situation. And I always end up hurting those that I'm closest to. I always end up hurting a lady called Pam. She's my bride. I always end up hurting a little girl named Victoria. She's my daughter. I always end up hurting my dad and my mom. I always end up hurting people I sit beside in church. When I start to hack and whack my way through life's problems and battles and situations. When I try to attack the evil one on my own. When I take control of the situation. At 49, Peter, I seem to make this mistake over and over again. And I would beg you as my brothers and sisters, would you put up your silly plastic knives and give Jesus Christ control of your whole life. If you're saved here this morning, you're a child of God. If Jesus Christ is your personal Savior, if He saved you from hell, why not say to Him, Jesus, I want to let you be Lord of my life. I want you to have control of my life. Some of you are like me. We've seen Jesus do some awesome things over the years. But sometimes we forget. And that's when we pull this up. We try to handle marital problems. We try to handle professional problems. We try to handle health problems, financial problems, relationship problems, all on our own. Dads, can I just talk to the men for a minute? How is it going? Doing it your way. How's it working? How about this? Smartest thing you could do, Dad. Put up your plastic knife. And this morning, come and give it all over to God and let Him have control. How many believe that Jesus Christ is, is coming back soon? Say amen. It's good. This is an independent Baptist church. We can do better than that. How many of you believe Jesus Christ is coming back soon? Amen. That's better. Thank you. That's good. If I guess if I asked you all to, to raise your hand, I, I asked you to say amen on that. And I'm not trying to get an amen, but I, I had you do that. I kind of knew you would. Pretty much everybody in here said amen. You affirmed that you really believe that. You, what you really believe is your theology. 
you really believe, you stated by saying, Amen. My theology, what I think about the return of Jesus Christ is this. He's coming back soon. Amen? That's what you believe. That's your theology. It's what you amen. If I asked you all to raise your right hand, those that would believe that He's coming back soon, I'm sure that every one of you that said amen would raise your right hand. What if I asked you to do this? To keep your right hand up, and then for you that would answer this question, would I raise your left hand? I'm not. But if I did, and if the second question was this, how many of you would say that your lifestyle every day matches what you really said you believe on the matter of Jesus Christ returning soon. And if I said, there is your left hand, then you would be like this. A universal symbol for what? Surrender. Or I give up. Many of us are living like this. Sometimes we do this. Are you with me? Sometimes like at church services, we do this. We peek it up a little bit. I believe it, and I'm living it. I'm asking you to do this today. Some of you I feel like I've gotten to know. If you're here and you've got this in your heart, you believe He's coming back soon, I want to ask you a question. Does your lifestyle... The way you live every day, match what you say you believe regarding the return of Jesus Christ. Because I don't think any of us want to be walking around like this when He returns. And for us to have a lifestyle that doesn't appear like we really believe He can come back anytime soon. If you're here this morning and you're facing an illness, you're facing a trial, A tragedy. I know of none. Pastor Montoro and I have not concocted or choreographed anything. But if you're here and you're in the middle of a marriage battle, if you're here in the middle of the biggest challenge with your child rearing, your children are way off, or you're just so afraid of losing a spouse or losing a job, I'm asking you to do this. Put this up. And give God control of the situation. And do this. Lord, I've seen you do this before. I've heard of you doing some awesome things before. And I want to give you control of this particular situation all over again. You might say, I've done that before. Do it again. Did you hear me say, I've done this over and over again. That means I have to over and over again say, Lord, I want you to have control. Why? Because I've messed it up before. Have you? Then if you want to have different results, you have to do something different. If you want something different to happen, you must change something. And if you've been trying to solve it on your own, change that. Give it to God this morning. With all heads bowed, all eyes closed, we'll prepare for the altar call, this invitation. A time where you get to respond to the Spirit of God as He's been speaking to you. Heavenly Father, I don't know exactly what everyone in here faces. As a matter of fact, I would say I have no idea
what some would be facing. But I'm confident you know every detail. And so, Lord, since you're the one that created us and that you're the one that, that is clearly able to do anything, Lord, we pray that this morning, that if there's anybody here today that is pulling out their own pocket knife and trying to solve their problems all on their own, Lord, I pray that they would put it up and let you have control. And I ask in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. So have a time for an invitation if you want to stand right now. Whatever the normal